MHTV what I think will prove to be an extremely interesting, if maybe even rowdy, session tonight. So um, we've got some fantastic guests with us, and I'm sure you're going to want to ask questions and interact. So um, over to Vanessa so she can tell you how you can do that. Hi, everyone. Um, hope you'll join us tonight. Um, you can join us one of two ways. Um, for those of you who haven't listened before, if you can either go on to Twitter, X as it is now, and join us via the MHTV hashtag. If you prefer Facebook, head over to Facebook onto the Unite MHNA Facebook page and you should see the live stream there, which you can follow. Do ask questions via X or via Facebook. Uh, we want tonight to be interactive and I'll be checking out both channels and feeding in any questions to the conversation. I'll hand you back over to Nikki. Okay, so I'll hand myself back to Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> so we're welcoming the Jabali Network. So let's start with Edwin. Edwin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself? Thank you, Nikki, Vanessa and Dave. Um, so my name is uh, Edwin Lovo and I'm uh, Chief Operating Officer and Deputy Chief Exec for East London Foundation Trust and a proud member of the Jabali Men's Network, um, probably one of the founding members, um, originally from Zimbabwe, born and bred, um, trained as a mental health nurse in the United Kingdom, and the rest is history. Here I am. Um, but uh, also quite passionate about things that relate to the younger generation what's our role as older people in making sure that our younger generation learn from our mistakes, our experiences, and try not to repeat what we did that didn't work. Um, mm -hmm. But also very passionate about supporting and helping those in need uh, and Zimbabwean music from um, Zimbabwean originally. Thank you. Fantastic. Oliver, tell us a little bit about yourself too. Hi, thank you. I'm Oliver Soriano. I'm from the Philippines, internationally educated nurse that came in this country in 1998. So I'm actually on my 25th year living here in the UK. Um, mm. Currently, my role um, in a clinical workspace, I'm the uh, recently appointed chief nurse officer at Lancashire and South Cumbria NHS Foundation Trust, and mm. also <laughs> the president of the Philippine Nursing Association UK. But I'm here tonight kind of like joining my brothers as I'm very very passionate of being part of the Jabali men's network um, I think I'm just gonna follow what like Edwin was saying my passion um, clinically is to kind of like support our internationally educated nurses coming here in the UK we've got so many of them now and one of the challenges that we've got is about their homesickness going to mm -hmm. depression going to mental health crisis so there's a lot of work that we will be sharing tonight of what are the works that we're doing in Chapali in helping our internationally educated nurses as well thank you thank you and will so i think yeah, good to there. see you again yeah so yeah. my name is uh, uh will will smith again i'm from zimbabwe so what well, is my 30th year in the uk i was trained here in the you know mid 90s i'm a mental health nurse by background I've worked in different organizations. I think some of the fascinating ones were primary care trust and strategic health authorities in HHS England. I'm currently on secondment uh, at an acute hospital, uh, tackling uh, violence and aggression as part of the big strategic aim to make sure that staff feel safe at work. I think my passion really is um, psychological safety, compassionate leadership in the work setting. 
our biggest cost is staff in the NHS. The next thing is the states. How can we make the best use of uh, those two big resources? Mm. Uh, if we do that, we have better outcomes for patients. And I'm, I'm very keen to tackle racism. Racism, the other side of it is health yeah. inequalities. And I'll talk about men's health later on in the discussion, which I'm very passionate about as well, black men's health, physical and mental health. Mm. Thanks, Nikki. Absolutely. And if anyone wants to catch Will's um, episode, which was about, I think, in October sometime, mm -hmm. um, it's online and available for you guys too. And I'm sure Vanessa will be able to tweet that link out. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, let's come back to Ed Edwin. Can you, as a founder member, tell us what is the Jabali Men's Network? Tell us what that involves. So, yeah, it will be my absolute pleasure. And it's a real privilege to be on this platform, actually, um, to kind of share with, with, mm. with, with you about the Jabali Men's Network. And um, so it's a group of men from African, Asian, and Caribbean backgrounds. We came together firstly, uh, I think, um, late 2019. The idea back then was hang on you know there's so many men in nursing but there's no chief nurse who's a male and from the communities that we represent mm -hmm. um and uh, we thought we would make a go for it you know mm -hmm. say you know how can we influence one of us getting into that space mm -hmm. um and we were very lucky very fortunate and privileged to have Ruth May who also kind of had noticed that mm -hmm. and she was up for it so we then met with her I think we first met in December as a as a group, small group. I think there was about nine of us. Yeah. And then we then met with Ruth May in February 2020. And even then there was a small group. Mm. Um, but from then on, we've just grown. Um, and there's about 105, 106 of us at this point in time. Uh, and the main purpose really is about, firstly, how do we support each other to get into those roles and into those positions of influence um how do we when we are in those roles really kind of help the organizations that we work for the organization that we represent which is generally the nhs to do better for the people we represent and the wider communities how do we help ruth main her role as the chief nursing officer of uh of you know, you know, England to 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 really get nursing as a profession that young men who come from our communities can see as a career option, mm -hmm. and more importantly, when it comes to matters of public health and any other issues that might come up, and needless to say, we met in 2019 in December, and then what happened in early 2020, the pandemic came about. Mm -hmm. I think we were also influential in how the vaccine rollout and just how our communities responded to that call to protect ourselves and to look after ourselves by not only getting the vaccine, but also by just supporting each other. So how do we use that influence? Because I guess for, for, for people in our group and the people in the communities we represent as men, mm. There's something that we represent in our communities and there's something about our voice when we speak that gets listened to. Okay. Now, I'm not saying, and I, I wouldn't want to go down the territory of, you know, kind of men and their roles and the whole gender thing, mm -hmm. but we need to recognize something about the cultures that we come from and the importance of the voice of a man in the home mm -hmm. when it comes to 
giving the vision, mm. giving the direction. Mm. And in times of crisis, being the direction and the calming voice maybe that helps people to just stop and think together as a family or as mm. a unit or as a community. Mm. And for some of our groups, and I need to say this because we'll be wanting to hear this, as a village, how do we sort out this problem that we're facing? Mm. So that's been kind of the history. And now we are... Uh, couple of years into the network and this year was our second in-person network we met um, in London the first one was in uh, in Birmingham and again the purpose for those networks is how do we bring ourselves together because throughout the year every month we meet on a Thursday between six and between four and six p.m mm. always fully attended you never get less than 50 of mm. us there um, to just talk about, okay, so what are we doing? What's going on? And Ruth will always pop in every so often and she'll throw down a challenge for us and we, we will go away. We will talk mm. together. We will see what we can do to help. Mm. And we're also increasingly getting opportunities like the one you've given us today. So thank you very much to kind of tell mm. our story, mm. but also say to you, where is it that we can come together, partner up, do something together that yeah. you think our voices and our presence can help you kind of deliver a message. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and, I, and I think we, we, we kind of at a place now where increasingly we are seeing many of our group getting into positions of influence. So I think when it started, there was very few of us in executive roles. Mm-hmm. Now there's about 20 of us in executive role, one of whom is a chief executive officer, Eugenia Feller in, 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 in Bristol. And we've just heard Oliver's story, chief nurse. So we've now got two chief nurses, Oliver, right? You and Wellington. Yeah. Um, and I'm a chief operating officer with uh, Adi Odunlande in SLAM. And then, of course, uh, our chair, our current chair of the network, Patrick Nyarumbu, who's um, a chief people and partnership officer in Birmingham and Solihull. But there's been loads of other kind of fantastic success stories. Mm. You've got Will here. It sounds like you and Will have got a bit of history. (laughs) And and, and, and kind of that's been the story, really, because many of us have been kind of in our own little parts of the world, in our own little corners of the world, doing what we can. And Mm. what the Jabali Network is starting to do, or has at least tried to get to, is how do we bring all those pieces of work, little pieces of exceptional work, partnership work, and, you know, um, influence into one place that we can together collectively make a, a continued and improved uh, uh, difference to um, the health and care system in the United Kingdom and into the communities that we, we are serving. Mm, it's amazing work that you're doing. I wonder if, if Oliver and Will wanted to add anything to that as well. I might come in and uh, just to, to kind of highlight that uh, the great work that Jabali is doing, because like um, I think we know very well that like there's not a lot of uh, men or male nurses in the uh, nursing workforce. Um, so one of the works that we've been doing in the past couple of years is to kind of like join in with the uh, uh, Schools for Health program. Some of us have already been um, talking to year 11, year 12, talking about mental health nursing, talking about men in nursing. 
And surprisingly, even at this day and age, um, kids still don't think that like there are yeah. men in nursing. So I think mm -hmm. one of the positions that we're trying to bring in is like there is a lot of opportunity becoming a male nurse in yeah. any healthcare workforce. And it's it's one of those kind of like work that we want to ensure that like we plant that seed mm -hmm. um, as early as to our community to kind of like be encouraged, be motivated, mm -hmm. be inspired of the different um, career progression that anyone can take once they mm -hmm. want to become a nurse, specifically if they want to become a male nurse. So our work is to kind of like be mm -hmm. visible leader and be inspired by others i mm -hmm. think i'm gonna share this one because like you can you've already heard how inspiring mr edwin here because mm -hmm. one of the ways uh my history with the team is that like i came in probably two if not three months later after you know when it was formed and uh throughout that process i'm just gonna fast track that is that like i've been attending that jabali network meeting every thursday and I always look forward, I'm going to be embarrassing Mr. Edwin here now. I always look forward listening to Edwin, you know, mm -hmm. those nuggets of wise messages. Um, and he knows this quite well. And I've said this many times because like what pushed me to actually apply to this chief nursing officer role was actually the people who have actually inspired me in Jabali Network. And one of them is actually my, my idol. Uh, Mr. Edwin here, who helped me believe in myself. I know Patrick is here, you know, like, well, we've got people in our network who are very inspirational. They're very calm whenever they talk. And that's what kind of like, oh my God, I always think in nursing, it's always like, it's always this challenge, this crisis, this problem. But then again, once you come into the Jabali Network meeting, the calmness of everyone presents, even how chaotic things are, we're bringing themselves kind of like, listen, let's talk as one mm. because we believe as together we're stronger to yeah. kind of like deal with this problem. Yeah. And that's what the Jabali Network brings in. And that's why we're growing more and more in the coming years. Mm. I think you're right. That strength, that togetherness is so important. So important. Will, did you want to add anything? Yeah, sure. Thank you. I think so. If you look at the statistics, what seventy-five percent of the NHS workforce are female identify themselves as female. So we're quite a much smaller group, if that makes sense. But yeah. we make no apology for yeah. being my brother's keeper. Yeah. We want to look after each other. We want to look after each other's mental health. The check-ins that we have on a monthly basis that uh, Oliver was talking about—they're quite really important. How is work going? Is there anything that we can do to support each other? And people go through. I've, I've had my own issues, and we have psychologists. We have people who are very, very good at uh, you know, listen. I will check in on you. That has really kept me, my health and well-being, really, really good. And I'm very grateful to all those people. I'll not name them, but. They've meant a lot whenever they've checked in, you know, and mm -hmm. we owe it to each other just to check in on each other. So mm -hmm. take it as a triangle. There are many of us, at, you know, the backbone of the energy is a band five, band sixes. And mm -hmm. we need, I think one of our, at the second conference, he said, uh, rise and lift. As you rise, lift someone else on your way up. You know, mm -hmm. there's more success in more people, you know, succeeding, having the same opportunities that the three of us have had what, what mm -hmm. legacy do you want to leave behind? So if mm -hmm. you think uh, some of our discussions at our recent conference were, okay, uh, we, we have risen to, that, to this level. 
we know if you're a black female, you suffer from sexism and racism, what can we do to support each other? There's a, so there's a lot of partnership and networking with other groups in terms of how we can support each other. But other than seeking promote, you know, opportunities for growth, we support each other where people have made it and they say, this is how I've done it, you know, coaching mm-hmm. opportunities, mentoring. We do a lot of, I do a lot of work with uh, one of the universities in Bristol. So I think we want to attract um, more black male, you know, young people into the NHS. It's a good opportunity. There are a lot of opportunities and the more these opportunities, so Edwin is a deputy chief executive, Patrick is a deputy chief executive. We never had that before in the last one, three years. So, but we are breaking new ground, but also it become quite vulnerable emotionally, physically in those spaces. What can we do to support each other as colleagues? So that's really important for me. Mm, no, you're right. Because as you, as you rise up, you suddenly look around and like, Okay, no, I, I look different. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. So I guess I get I'm cu- I'm curious a bit about that because in some ways you've achieved such a lot in such a short space of time. It's extraordinary. And I guess the thing that really stands out to me is how on earth did you guys cope when COVID came along? Because COVID was absolutely racialized. Absolutely. I wonder how how did, being such a new organisation, how did you manage to stick together through that? Um. Maybe I can give it a start and yeah. and like you did last time, perhaps bring in Oliver and Will. Mm-hmm. So I think I gave a brief description of how we started and Patrick had emailed a few of us who mm-hmm. were, and I was a band nine at the time, I was a borough director in, in, in Tower Hamlets. And, and I would say probably that was one of the jobs of my you know my 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 life I was really enjoying what I was doing yeah (laughs) absolutely it's a fantastic system but um I think when Patrick called us together and said look guys here we are you know what do you think about this we started kind of it it resonated and I think we'd all been thinking about it in our own spaces Mm. if I can just give you an example so you you know at the level that I was at I was going into what now we would call system meetings because of integrated care systems. Mm-hmm. Back then it was CCGs, it was local authorities. And you turn up to a meeting and you'd have more than 10 people there and I'll be the only perhaps black man there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously in time there'll be other Asian men there, but predominantly I'll be the only black man. And it was, you know, it, it would make you ask yourself, but the people we serve look more like me than everyone else in the room. What's that about, you know? And I think what it started to do when we started coming together is to have that conversation about, okay, so, okay, we can talk about it and we can recognize that actually maybe there's something not quite right here. Is the what's, what we do about that, that's important. And, and coming together started to help us doing to do that. And, and by the time we kind of met with Ruth May in February of 2020, yeah, 2020, We'd already had started having a series of telephone conversations. Me, Patrick, uh, Francis Adzinko, who was in Oxley's at the time, who was another founding mem- member, who's now late. You know, um, there was loads of people who were starting to just come together and share stories and say, "Okay, well, we need to do something about it." Yeah. And by the time we got to 2020, Ruth May, I think, had also been noticing this and thinking about it. So the conversation that day it's kept announced in Elephant and Castle kind of it was like pushing against an open door yeah. um and so it 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 kind of panned out into a 
a conversation that helped us. And then through the pandemic, because we'd already had that quite unified um, relationship and conversation, we had other people joining us like Oliver and many others. Uh, it, and I think for people like Oliver, it felt natural that he was joining brothers from yeah. another mother, if I can use that term. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, and, and from then on, it just kind of just started to flow and we had already kind of set up our monthly check-in sessions. So when everyone else was grappling with the online stuff, we had already kind of started to explore that. I think before the actual official call at seven, we're just talking about the multiple skills and experiences other members in the group have got, you know, and, and they would help us to kind of, you know, yeah, we can, we can do things online. And back then it was just Google space, I think, or things, mm -hmm. you know, obscure, <laughs> you know, our yeah. online stuff. And, and we're talking about it. And I remember actually that in early February that year, what we had been talking about was a big meeting in London. Mm. And what we had been talking about is how we come together yeah. with not just senior staff, but also our junior colleagues who are in nursing across London, um, band fives, band fours, band threes. And we also had Yvonne Cogill by that time as part of the mm -hmm. conversation. And she was helping us just curate how that event would go in London. And then of course the pandemic struck us um, mm -hmm. and it caused mm -hmm. us huge difficulties. Um, it was distressing. Mm -hmm. We also know that in the early stages, our communities were the ones that were worse off in terms of the experiences. And many of us lost loved ones. Yeah. For many of us, as Oliver said, we are internationally educated. So, we couldn't go back to our countries of origin where the COVID pandemic was also playing havoc. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was a difficult time. Mm. But that Thursday between four and six, once mm. a month, mm. became the point of redoubt, the point where we came together. Mm. And all of a sudden, you know, the WhatsApp group, you would get somebody bumping into someone saying, oh, you exist. Mm. You're a brother. Yeah. I'm part of this group. Join us. Mm. Um, and of course, you know, what we do on that group is that every time we meet, we start off with personal check-ins. People talk mm. about their family. People talk about what they might be going through. And then we go into the business of the day, which could be whatever challenge we've set ourselves and now we're doing with it. Mm. Um, and then, of course, you know, because we had Ruth as our sponsor as well, we were asked to be part of the vaccination mm. campaign, yeah. raising its profile in our communities. Mm. And I think many of us did videos, some of us in our mother tongues to reach out to those communities. Mm. Um, and I think the other thing as well that I would share is that for many of us, we come from communities where our religion okay. or kind of the spiritual kind of well-being is also an important thing. And of course, in the run-up to the pandemic, we know that that was a big issue in the NHS. Mm. But the amount of death and the distress that the pandem pandemic brought, I think it brought about a sense of stop, think, actually, this is not a bad thing. This is important. Mm. So for many of us, we were still connected into those communities and we were able to share that message. 
mm. um, to, 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 to help our communities also mm. step forward and mm. be part of the vaccination program, but just also be part of the whole, what are we doing as a communities to keep each other safe? Mm. Um, and, and within that as well, Oliver's talked about the schools. We're still doing that. Mm. <laughs> you know, there the, the was still all the nice mm. progressive stuff happening mm. alongside the, we're in a crisis. Mm. What are we doing? And I thought, you know, that was mm. quite good. And before we came up with the name Jabali, mm. I think we used to call ourselves the Thursday Fireplace. Oh, I like because, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we all... We, because we all come from communities where mm. I think in the evenings after mm. a long day's work, yep. the men of the home, the village, whatever, come round a fireplace mm. and talk about the business they've been through the day mm. and what they're looking forward to tomorrow. Mm. Problem solve, help mm. each other out of problems. And mm. uh, the name Jabali, you can Google it. Actually, we, we did a long painstaking process of trying to <laughs> land on that um, because we thought yeah, we can't call ourselves the fireplace group we need to find another name mm. but actually Jabali in terms of all the communities so be it African mm. be it Asian be it Caribbean mm. that word exists in all our communities now mm. think about it how how often do you get words that mean the same thing mm. which is strength mm. in all our communities so I mean that's kind of the kind of yeah a Mm. bit of history but Mm. oliver and will say a bit more about the nice stuff yeah absolutely (laughs) undoubtedly you guys saved lives and i think that's really important to recognize because i can remember one of the first times i sort of came across oliver online he was speaking very passionately about uh, the experience of of nurses and i thought yeah that's what we need more nurse Mm. voices Mm. yeah so tell us a little bit about that oliver i I think it's just i always think that like in crisis there's also an opportunity that rises up because um in early 2020 i think this is in march april um we started getting the news that like more and more filipino nurses dying due to covid and i think this kind of got into the attention of dame ruth may that like asked all the cnos in the country to kind of say can you nominate any of your Filipino leaders in your um, trust to join in? There were six of us that met up with Dame Ruth May in the month of March. At that time, I didn't know any kind of like networks that I can mm. have a voice and know what's happening to help our community. Um, mm. Well, at that time, the Filipino community that's affected greatly of COVID. Um, by the month of April, I think we're seeing more and more. I think there were already 30, if not 40, Filipino nurses dying of COVID. It was well publicized, not just nationally, but internationally. Mm. And that's where the question comes on of why, why is it Filipinos? But later on, we started finding more and more kind of Black, Asian, minority, ethnic colleagues yeah. also dying from COVID. I think that is where I was informed. This is where the opportunity came about that like Dane Ruth May told and mentioned to us, are you aware about this job, like the senior male nurses, this fireplace Thursday group that's happening? And at that time, I didn't hear anything about that. I, that's, that's, that that's the opportunity that came about that I got involved with the Now Jabali Network at the month of like um, April, May, that I found out that there's this wonderful 19 
you know, strong leaders, male strong leaders in mm. nursing who were mm. actually identifying how we can support our community. Mm. And that is where I think there, there was that shared kind of goal, shared objective on how can we support because mm. there's a lot of people dying. Mm. Most of them are from Black, Asian, minority, ethnic at that time. And like, I think it became kind of like a uh, uh, a platform of knowing of understanding, of kind of also believing that like we can work together to kind of like help, you know, NHS on how we can support our community, avoid people dying. Mm. So I think it became a platform for us in, in Jabali kind of like finding information mm. at that time, little that we know about what's happening in that community or what's happening in the Northwest down in the Southeast region. We didn't know, but like, because in the Jabali network, we started having colleagues from the different parts of different regions of the UK. Mm. And it helped us a lot to mobilize, you know, the information to share it accordingly and to kind of like motivate, like, look, let's bring it into our community, bring it back to Jabali and to kind of like share that information. Mm. Um, I think if, if looking back to what happened in 2020, I, I did say it, it became an opportunity for me to be part of Jabali Network. At that time, I was the head of nursing in South London and Maudsley. And it I grew up in there. But like I just want to emphasize as well that like along that journey, I had a white ally, my sponsor, Miss um, Vanessa Smith, who's, who's the CNO at uh, South mm -hmm. London. She was the one who pointed me to the direction of mm. where all these things are happening. And she mm. was the one who kind of like say, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do and mm. you might be kind of like that vehicle to help us to work things out to support our Black, Asian, minority, ethnic mm. colleagues. Mm. So just want to emphasize that because along the way, kind of like there were people supporting us. Um, one of them, as what we've already emphasized, then Ruth May, throughout that process, she's... Mm been with us she's been supportive she's been guiding us on the actions and activities yeah. that we've been doing mm -hmm. but yeah um now we're in a position of like i think the next stage that we're trying to actually move on is like how can we now mm -hmm. go back to our original plan of like motivating our colleagues to step up yeah. get out there be brave to actually apply to that next level of nursing mm -hmm. career mm -hmm. goals so mm -hmm. And, and our hope is like having this visibility of like male nursing leaders mm. will motivate, inspire others to mm. get into that next level of their career. Mm. You're right. Nobody makes it by themselves, do they? Even no. even even having the guts to apply for something and you've got that voice in the back of your head, it's really tough to do. If you don't have somebody talking you on, it's a, it's a tough one. Mm. We'll, we'll just hear from Will and then we'll come to Vanessa because I know we've got questions coming in. So, Will, is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, sure. I, I think um, <clears throat> I, I like just to give some figures. So mm. about on average, about 20% of the NHS workforce uh, come from uh, ethnic minority backgrounds. And the majority of those people uh, do what I call the backbone of the NHS work, band mm. five, band six, shift work. They were more exposed to people with COVID, either from the workforce or the patients that they were looking after than people working in offices, okay? We know there were controversies at the time regarding access to PPE. I know right now we're talking about the COVID inquiry, make what you will of it. You wanted controversy. But the first 
responsibility mm. of a government is to look after its citizens. Yes. Yeah. You, you have people who have traveled across the world to come and provide services for the NHS. Did we, did we do enough to look after them? Not just those colleagues, but many others. You think people have probably come from different countries, some of our communities, those individuals who, who lost their lives, other individuals that they supported back in their home countries, they lost their livelihood, opportunities for education, health, and everything. And so it's more than just one individual that uh, my brother Oliver is talking about. Their community mm. is behind them, you know, almost like an ecosystem mm. that probably suffered as a result of uh, some of the decisions that were made here. Mm. That's controversial, but right. So let's mm. face that right on. Mm. I don't know. So I think in the NHS, we had an opportunity of um, creating a lot of networks for Black and Asian colleagues, you know, come and talk about how you're feeling, what can we do, and things like that. So I had a similar opportunity, uh, you know, in a different way. I'd done a lot of work with the Police and Crime Commissioner where I live, mm. and that has just stepped down from one of the committees as a chair. And the local authority asked me to chair an, uh, an inclusion group. And I realized that the local authority were way behind the knowledge and the skills that the NHS had deployed recently. And I got to know some of the statistics in terms of groups of people were you know, really affected, Bangladeshi communities, for example, more affected than other people. And what were the causes? What are you doing regarding mm -hmm. uh, education, vaccinations? I had an education. I had a colleague from um, in India and I think a colleague from Nigeria who served on this panel. Their countries had been exposed to poor medical practices, you know, poor ethical me medical practices in terms of testing medications. So there were people who suffered disabilities in African countries because they did not go through the proper channels of testing med medicines. They tested them on live people who mm. suffered disabilities. Those people are still alive. They are very mm. cautious uh, about any medications. Some of these companies, they changed names, but people with long memories, you know, and mm. outstanding litigation and also which that was news to me. I didn't know that. So there was an opportunity mm. to learn and understand the people's anxieties to say, listen, this mm. company changed its name. It was operating in this company, in this country before. Mm. I don't trust the medication. And you try to reassure. So when people who are doctors, pharmacists, you say, no, come and talk yeah. to colleagues who are very anxious about this so that they understand the science and what's going on. Very difficult to do that. But mm. it, education is one way of demystifying, you know, some of those things. But when people would live the experience, that's really tough to, yeah. to, to ignore that and you just think, you know, medication was sorted out. I was vaccinated, I was happy to be, but I think I also took a respectful position that if someone has suffered a disability or they, they've lost a relative, you know, maybe 30, 40 years ago, that's their lived experience. I've got no right to try to push a certain mm -hmm. narrative. It's okay, I understand how they feel and they, they would have a right not to want to have the medication. That was tough. I'm a mm -hmm. clinician. I think the head, you know, mm -hmm. a head uh, immunity is a good thing, mm -hmm. but it's also important to accept other people's views of that lived experience. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think when you have rollouts like that, they can, particularly if they're set by one cultural group, they totally ignore the experience of anyone who's not in that group. And then the message that, why aren't we, why aren't people listening to my really good message? It's like, well, it's not really very good, <laughs> really. <laughs> so I think you've, you've all of you are talking about such interesting things, but I'm aware that we're getting questions building up as well. So let's come to Vanessa. Yeah. Okay. Hang now on. you guys are going to get a proper grilling. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's not a grilling. It's really um, lovely comments. Lots of people are following and, and retweeting things, which is nice. 
Um, we've got a question here from Mushtag. Hi, Mushtag. Mushtag um, follows regularly. Um, and she says, what advice or reflection on leadership has really helped you to progress further into very senior management and leadership roles as a person from the global majority? That's the first part of the question. So what advice or reflections? And that's to everybody, I think. And then, I've, I've always studied well, last, so I'll, I'll, I'll crack on first. I'll yeah, take the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, go for it. I think leadership and management are two different things. I, I, yeah, I yeah. think my my learning was, is, you know, every day is a school day for me. Leadership is about emotional awareness, being compassion uh, towards other individuals. It's not about performance. Although performance is useful, if you do not understand the things that make people underperform family, you know, demographics, ill health, stress, and all sorts of people will not perform well. So if, if people feel that you have in, you're invested in them as individuals, in my experience, mm -hmm. they've tended to do pretty well and mm -hmm. creating a psychologically safe space in the workplace. Yeah. If they're not feeling okay, they'll talk to you, but treat people with kindness and they'll, they'll give you much more than you ever asked for. Uh, management is hard. Uh, you have to keep an eye on people, leadership, you give it a distance and you get the best out of people. That's my experience. Yeah, totally agree. Anybody else want to add anything to that? Oliver, I'll let you go first. <laughs> Seems like I'll be in the middle. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I always believe that, you know, um, you just have to be, I, I said this already, of like being brave. Um, I never knew that there's a lot of like opportunities outside of what where my comfort zone is until someone actually put us kind of like there is that kind of level of like feeling, am I ready for it? But not until someone actually touch you on the shoulder that says like, just go for it because mm -hmm. along the way you will learn. But one thing that I've learned in kind of like going through this career progression is that you have to also be brave that like at some point you will fail because through that failure you will learn a lot of things that like you can do better so that mm. the next stage that you get into it i think um you will learn a lot now there's one thing that i, I was just talking to one of our staff today about this kind of like if you fail what you have to actually do before you get up look up and, see, and, and look and see whose hand is reaching out to pull you up because mm -hmm. those are the things and those are the people who will bring you up with you. So I think the leadership I always looked into is like bring those people up with you, surround, those, surround yourself with people who will believe in you mm -hmm. and who will actually uh, make you flourish in the things that you do. Um, it's, it's a competitive world. I have to say, but I always believe that like in that competition, you grow stronger as well. Yeah. And, so, and the challenge of going after Oliver and Will is what else can you say? You know? <laughs> but I, I, I think for me, the only thing I would add is, is that I think for, 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 for many of us, I think it's recognizing that it's a journey you cannot travel alone. Mm make yeah. sure you've got companions on your journey and that could be mentors mm -hmm. that could be coaches that could be yeah. your managers Oliver's talking about mm 
-hmm. and that could also be allies and you know mm -hmm. my journey my allies i go back to 2004 i think that's when i first got my ward manager's job and I can tell you, if we had time, I would tell you all the names um, of, of, of the people I've worked with who don't look like me in terms of ethnicity, mm -hmm. but they've mm -hmm. been there with me. So I think it's also important to just recognize that the whole bit of being an ally, those people who are listening to us today, who are looking for ways in which to support people who look like me, that this journey started many, many years ago. There's nothing new to it. But as Oliver said, and as William said, some of it just takes courage of you saying, I need to support this person because they look like they know what they're doing. Mm. That will make a huge mm. difference. Um, but yeah, for those who look like me, for many of the young global majority people joining nursing or actually any health or care profession at this point in time, mm -hmm. don't travel alone. Get some companions because you will go the yeah. distance. Definitely. Mm, such good advice. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so um the next part of the question really from Mushtag was around what would you have changed or done differently looking back in your careers? Mm. <laughs> I think some people are filtering some stories out. Yeah. That one. <laughs> <laughs> my my reflection <laughs> my, my, my reflection on this. Uh, and I, I'm, I do some work with university students. Mm. I spent a lot of time acquiring degrees. It's, in, it's a mentality that I grew up, my culture, you know, education, education. Some of it at my expense. And what I've learned over time is you only need a degree to become a qualified nurse. Then you didn't need a degree, in fact. So the more time you spend either, you know, doing a master's, which you're paying for, someone else is getting experience, they'll become a world manager. Then all you're doing is say, oh, you know, me and Sue, we used to go to, to uni together, but Sue is now an acting world manager, now associate director of nursing. I think experience and skills will set you up for the future. Education, just get the barest minimum. You learn the trade on the world and through picking up opportunities, secondments, any challenges, pick up the hot potatoes. That's what my manager used to say. Pick up the hot potatoes that no one else is interested in. Pick mm -hmm. up those hot potatoes, hold them tight, learn as you go, as Richard Branson says. Whenever I see an opportunity, take it, you learn as you go. Brilliant. Who's next? I, I, I would probably say, I think, the role of a nurse or a doctor, and I'm kind of speaking generally now because I think it's important we recognize that actually I, I know that I don't touch just the, the lives of people who are nursing. But I think it's important to always listen to the people you are serving story and making sure that their voice is heard. Um, the question is, would you do anything differently? I think I would, mm -hmm. earlier on in my career, I would double love on the patient voice stuff. I think we have voices so, so important. Mm -hmm. I'm a mental health nurse and I, there are some times that I look back and I think where we are now, we could have sorted this out many, many years ago. And maybe if my voice was part of that campaign back then, it would have yeah. made a difference. So there's something about the here and now. I think I'm doing it now, but I wish I had started doing it much earlier on in my career, the here and now being an advocate, mm -hmm. 
mm. being true to my word mm. and making sure that that patient voice is the strongest it can be through my yeah. own voice. Yeah. 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 I'm going to add on to it. Like, um, I'm not going to change anything because that's what <laughs> defines me of who I am now. But I like what I'm going to say. It's like, what will I add now moving forward? So it's not, you know, like, mm. I think what, what I've understood in this journey is kind of like um, understanding your own kind of willpower. I'm using Will Smith's name here. So like understanding your mm. willpower, understanding your self-preservation, believing that you can actually do it and respect yourself. I think like the self-respect is needed there because like throughout that journey, you're going to be, you know, there's a lot of like challenges. There's a lot of like kind of like fights that you have to fight with. But I think like now it's just like being courageous to kind of like step up um, and have that voice. So as I said, those are the things that I'm adding into my new career now to kind of like be courageous and kind of like move it and take it forward with the people that you'll be working with. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else? We're getting we're getting forward in terms of time. Yeah, I know we're coming to the end, so I'm just gonna end on a couple of positive comments rather than um questions. Definitely. So first of all, Mushtag again has said really inspiring and authentic to hear these stories. Bravo and thank you for your present and presence and representation, which will inspire so many health and social care professionals and students from the global majority you've had a few comments a few lovely comments like this you've got ashton who says he's part of your network ashton tully um he says so proud to be listening to my colleagues um and then he lists you all talk so passionately and with such clarity on the journey value and impact of your of our network powerful and inspiring so I think it's fair to say you've had quite a big impact, which is brilliant, isn't it, to see. And there's lots of retweeting and, and, and being really good, hasn't it, to cover this conversation tonight. Absolutely. And Major Vonga mm. also adds on that. I agree with Oliver. Edwin is an amazing mentor and motivates not only nursing, but also social workers. Is there any end to your day job, Edwin? <laughs> Brilliant. Not social workers. Edwin. <laughs> I guess it'd be really I'm good. really chuffed by that because, oh. you know, like I said earlier, it's it, it, in my world, mm. I guess, you know, mm. it's not just nurses who make a difference to people's yeah. lives. It's, totally. you know, yeah. So, mm. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so let's pop round each of you yeah. and just finish up with some like and any final thoughts mm. anything that you know what's the future going to be holding yeah should we go in our traditional route or should i mix it up and just randomly pick oliver, oliver first let's pick oliver first so you just have to i, I think like <laughs> i was just about to actually say let me be the first this time um what's next i think like we're, we're still finding what energizes us and there's a lot of things that we're actually doing. I think um, what's next is not, now this is a cheeky request. I hope that like some of our Jabali colleagues will have this platform to be invited because as what has been shared by my, you know, my esteemed colleagues that like we do have a lot of like uh, fantastic um, colleagues with specific specialist areas that like can be in this platform to inspire others. Uh, so 
first and foremost, just want to say thank you for giving us this platform. But I think moving forward, I think um, yeah. this this we're we're growing of although it says it's Jabali Male Nurses Network, we're now growing to kind of like not just nurses. We do have members who are occupational therapists, ophthalmologists, we've got social workers, you know. So we're now Brilliant. growing more and more of like bringing in leaders in their specific fields who can motivate and inspire others. So uh, to those who will be listening, you know, if you in different profession in health and healthcare setting, I think like we want to actually hear more of like social scientists or, you know, uh, from the academy. Yeah. We do have like people from the academy as well. So we're growing in in kind of like strength um, and in numbers as well. So that's where we are, I think, moving forward. Probably in the next time that you invite yeah. us again, probably it's not just double. I'm hoping that we will, you know, have it more like 500 or thousands of us more. So yeah, that's the ambition. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And just yeah, and just to uh, um, just to reiterate, then yeah, of course, anyone from the network who wants to have a a space and a platform to you know to talk about work they're doing, um, then they're very welcome. And um, just get in touch with us, and we'll get that organised. Absolutely. Do any final yeah. thoughts from from you, Will? Yes, thank you. I, I do hope that uh, as a network, we will become like a center of excellence, uh, you know, a place where policymakers will consult us on how we can influence, you know, colleagues in the NHS in terms of opportunity. Some of the threads will come to us and say, you know, with Jabali, there's a, you know, there, there's a group of people who can advise us, give us, you know, support and challenge some of our thinking. We want to shape policies for the NHS. Uh, as I mentioned, I think racism is rife in the NHS, but also mm. health inequalities. And yeah. perhaps my, my parting word would be, mm. I'm turning 50, what, next week? There's, you know, uh, prostate cancer is a big issue in the NHS. Mm. And uh, at our uh, second conference last, uh, what, mm. beginning of November, where the colleague was encouraging us to join, I think it's a research facility, was a sort of, there's postcode lottery. I have to persuade my GP to be tested in, a particular, in people in London, they don't have to go through the same. So I've put in a link. If people want to be part of that, you know, that research there, you get the best facilities as far as I'm aware. So I've joined it because yes, we might be, you know, we might be seeking progression, but if we have poor health, we don't get checked often, we'll die and we'll leave our families behind. So prostate mm -hmm. cancer is a big issue for black men. So I just want to encourage people, get checked, become part of that research, want to live a bit longer and live a, a longer and you know, lasting impact. Thank you. I did not think that's where we were going tonight, but I'm pleased that we did. <laughs> Edwin. So, yeah, so we're going strength to strength in a positive way. Yeah. So there's 105 of us, um, and I, 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 I foresee that we'll grow even stronger. And as you've heard from Will and Oliver, we want to touch lives in not just our professional background of being nurses, but in so many ways. Certainly that's been one of the golden mm -hmm. strings that's pulled us together and kept us together, the influence and the voices that we have in other circles. So I think we would want to do that even more. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, one of the things that we have been doing and we've just done the first year of it is, unfortunately we lost uh, one of our founding members, uh, Francis Adzinko to cancer last year. Mm -hmm. And we, through Ruth May's good offices, mm -hmm. we've managed to create a Francis Adzinko Fellowship 
we have got one fellow at the moment, yeah, nice. uh, Benedict Santem, who works for Oxford Health, who's doing some great work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'd want to build on that and have many more years of us able to support junior members of staff in, in, in all kinds of mm-hmm. research, fellowship and work that they could be doing. And I think this opportunity that you've given us, hopefully it will go a long way, letting other people know and hear of us out there who can come together and partner up with us. Mm. I think that the third thing for me really is about all our followers, our supporters, the people who look up to us, Mm. be the person you need to be. The one thing that we take pride in as a group of men is our authenticity when we are together and the mm. boisterousness and the mm. fact that it's a safe space. Mm. We'd encourage colleagues to kind of hold on to that in whatever world you work in. And we're here to support you because we also know that sometimes you might be the only one in a system. So it's not always going to be easy, but you have us to help you get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. We want mm. to support you. We want to walk with you on your journey. Mm. And you, we want you to be with us on our journey. Mm. Um, and I think the mm. final thing for us, and I think I speak for all our members, is just a big, big thank you to our families. Mm. They've put up with a lot. For many of us to get to where we are, there's been huge sacrifices at the family level. Mm. And we wouldn't be who we are without those family members. They know who they are. And that's not just kind of the immediate wives and children. In mm. our world, extended mm. family members. Yeah. I think you're freezing uh, a little bit there, but I got the message. They are our brothers from another mother matter. <laughs> we want to thank them in one. And yeah, and thank you for this platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really, really good to hear from you. To play a part. So, I think you <laughs> faded out a little bit at the end there. Um, so, absolutely, if you could retweet that, that would be handy. <laughs> but do I, need, do I need to repeat? Yeah, if you could, just for one second, if you're, if you're back. I'll try to. Yes, I think I'm back. Am I? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You are. So, so yeah. No, I, I was. Th- I, I was thanking brothers and sisters from another mother. Thank you. Keep wow. doing what you're doing. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> it's been so so fantastic Thank to hear from you guys tonight. Hmm. We are so grateful for you taking your time for Oliver sitting in a car park <laughs> to to record with us. It's it's really important that people. <laughs> see you and hear all the amazing stuff that you're doing so we'll finish up with that and say thank you very much we're looking at revalidation next week um, and we will be hearing more from you guys i'm sure i really think so take care look forward to it good night good night good night